Well, hey, good morning, Center Church. I am really, really excited that you're here. And I get to serve as a pastor and I get to be a part of what God's doing alongside with you every single week. And it's really, really fulfilling for me. But it's been fulfilling unlike so many other weird parts of lockdown. See, in fact, something you need to know about me is I'm learning about myself is that normally now that I'm driving like once a week, I figured out I'm a really fast driver. Actually, it's amazing that I even have one of these beautiful licenses anymore. Like I've never got a speeding ticket, which is pretty insane. In fact, whenever I see an ETA on a GPS, I think of that as just a taunt. Like, come on, it's, it's gonna take you that long. And I always try to get under the estimated time on my GPS. Maybe some of you do this. But there was a time in my life in which I intentionally drove slow. Now, I was in New Zealand for my 18th, right after my 18th birthday, lived there for a year, worked at a church, served in ministry there, and my boss drove a BMW Z3 Candy Apple Red. It was such a nice car. And one day, my car was not working well, and he wasn't going into the office, and so he said, hey, you can come grab my car. And I was like, what? Are you serious? I couldn't wait. And so I go over, hop in the front seat, and I'd never been in a car that nice. And I'd certainly never driven a car that nice. And so I fired it up. It sounded amazing. It was like a 10-minute drive to the office. That entire 10 minutes, I think I hit a peak speed of 25 miles an hour. I went so slow. I was so afraid of, of dinging his car or getting in a wreck or getting pulled over that I drove incredibly, incredibly slow. So much so that someone else from the church saw me on the road and made fun of me for driving like that. I was just terrified. But it's true of all of us that we treat things different when they're not ours. If you ever dog sat, normally you treat that dog a little bit better and care a little bit more about how their schedule is going when it comes to food or being taken out than your own dog. If you've had someone else's money or been in a job which you had to work with someone else's finances, hopefully you take really good care of that. Maybe even think about it more strictly than you do your own finance. Maybe you've driven someone's really nice car and there's that tendency to go slow because you're afraid of getting pulled over. Well, that whole idea is really what the Bible calls stewardship. And in this parable we're about to read in Mark 12, we see this play out, but in a very, very fatal way. Look with me in Mark 12. If you have a Bible or device, uh, something to read along with, I would encourage you to pull that out, open it up. It'll also be on the screen. Let's see what Mark says in verse 1 of chapter 12. Jesus then began to speak to them in parables. These are stories illustrating a greater truth. Jesus says, A man planted a vineyard. He put a wall around it, dug a pit for the wine press, and built a watchtower. Then he rented the vineyard to some farmers and moved to another place. This was common. If you're a wealthy landowner, you would create something like this. In this region, vineyards were popular. So this guy builds a vineyard and then goes off to a summer home or to see to some other business and leaves these farmers in charge. He rented, it to the rented the vineyard to other farmers and moved to another place. But at harvest time, he sent a servant to the tenants, so these farmers, to collect from them some of the fruit of the vineyard, but they seized him. They beat him and they sent him away empty-handed. Then he sent another servant to them. They struck this man on the head and treated him shamefully. He sent still another 
and that one they killed. He sent many others. Some of them they beat, others they also killed. He had one left to send, a son, whom he loved. He sent him last of all saying, of course, I mean, this is my son. This is the heir. I mean, of course they're going to respect my son. But the tenants said to one another, this is the heir. Come, let's kill him and the inheritance will be ours. So they took him and they killed him and threw him out of the vineyard. This is a sobering parable. Some of Jesus' parables have really, really beautiful endings. Not this one. Because this ends in a murder. And in this story, it may be difficult to figure out who are the actual characters. Because in this conversation, Jesus is talking to Jewish leaders. In fact, this is really part two of the conversation we looked at last weekend. If you missed that teaching, you can go back to our website and listen. But in that teaching, we talked about the fig tree and the temple, and Jesus is condemning the religious system for not leading people to himself, to being about a lot of other things, to being about a place rather than a relationship with him. And here he's doing the same thing. He's talking to Jewish leaders about the way that they are behaving, the way that they are treating his people. In this story, which you may have picked up already, God is the owner of the vineyard. The tenants are the Jewish leaders, the Jewish religious people, and the servants that are being sent are the prophets, people that God ordained who chose throughout Israel's history to actually pave the way for God. People like Isaiah, Jeremiah, Zechariah, Amos, Micah, and John the Baptist, who is a part of this gospel here in Mark. What I think is really interesting is that Jesus uses a common metaphor. He talks about a vineyard. Now, in this region of Galilee, vineyards were everywhere. Grapes were everywhere. This was an incredibly common metaphor to use. In, in fact, we have kind of a running debate in our household growing up, what grapes are better. We had people who are red grape people, and I'm a green grape person. I love the crunch. I love kind of the sour taste you get. And some of you are cotton candy grape people, which I have tons of respect for you, but I've never actually had one. Real quick, just because I'm curious, like with your family, with the people you're around, I want you to take about 30 seconds and have this grape debate of 2020 in the house that you're in right now, okay? Red grapes, green grapes, or no grapes? 30 seconds and we'll be right back. Now, I don't know where you landed on the grape debate of 2020, but I do know that throughout scriptures, they use this metaphor of a vineyard and grapes to, def to really to define the relationship between God and his people. Isaiah 5 is the most common passage where Israel is related to being a vineyard for God, but the vineyard ends up withering and dying because they reject God. John 15, Jesus talks about the idea that, that followers of him are actually bearing fruit because they're connected to him, which is the vine. This agricultural language is used everywhere because it was incredibly familiar. And in this parable, Jesus is saying, Jewish leaders, you were given the mission. The mission was to help people receive me when I came, to help understand that the Messiah was here to save and to redeem and to rescue. And you didn't do a great job with that mission. In fact, you rejected the prophets who helped you with that mission. You rejected my, the son, the heir I'm sending. You rejected me. And that's true of every disciple. Our calling as disciples, no matter where you're at in your faith, which could be a couple weeks old, could be a couple decades old. We are all 
either helping people receive Jesus or reject him. Every single one of us. We have a calling to help people understand and receive the love of God for themselves, to surrender their lives to him, to live in a real breathing relationship with God. Or we help people reject him by the way we live, by the way we talk, by the way we spend money, by the jokes we tell, by the things we share online. We're either helping people to receive Jesus or reject him. And this is the same thing that's happening in this parable. Jesus is, is calling these leaders out saying, you've not done a great job of helping people receive me. In fact, you've rejected me. And we're all there. That's a calling all of us have. And it's interesting the way Mark layers this story. Did you catch it? That the tenants get progressively more violent. This story is rated R to say the least because they go from beating up the first servant to striking on the head and, and torturing the next one to eventually killing and tossing out of the vineyard this guy's own son. We're all either helping people receive Jesus or like these leaders, we are helping people reject Jesus. In fact, this is over and over again the story of Israel. Over and over again, uh, having the moment to really receive the Lord, but rejecting him, and often in the form of kicking out the very prophets he sent. I, the prophet Isaiah, who we just talked about in Isaiah 5, ends up in his life sawed in two by a wooden saw. Jeremiah is thrown into a mud pit, tortured and then stoned to death. Zechariah is murdered outside of the temple. Elijah, Amos, and others were eventually ran out of their home countries to flee persecution from God's own people. This was a story of prophets. But the story doesn't end there. The parable doesn't end there. In fact, I, I want you with your family, or maybe you're with a friend or a roommate or just a spouse, or maybe it's just you, to grab the, the rest of the story. And I want you to read it out loud just to hear it and let it sink in for yourself. Read Mark chapter 12, verses 9, 10, 11, and 12. It'll be on the screen for you to read as well. Let's read this together. Take a, couple, a little bit of time, read the rest of the story, and then we're going to come back and discover what else is God saying in this parable. As you're reading the end of that story, how does the owner respond? When you think about a parable and you're thinking about, okay, God is the owner of this vineyard, actually, this isn't how I thought he would respond. It says, what then will the owner of the vineyard do? Jesus asks the question, and then he says, he will come and kill. Maybe a better way to think about the word kill is not necessarily physical murder, but destroy, remove these tenants and give the vineyard to others. Better stewards. People who understood their calling better. Haven't you read this passage of scripture? Jesus says, the stone the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. The stone that everything else is built around. The Lord has done this and it's marvelous in our eyes. And the chief priests, which... No shocker to you, I'm sure. The teachers of the law, the religious leaders and elders, they, they looked for a way to arrest him because they knew he had spoken the parable against them. That he was convicting and condemning them for missing their calling. But they were afraid of the crowd, so they left him and went away. It begs the question, why did the vineyard owner kick the tenants out? It goes back to the truth Jesus is trying to illustrate that all of us are either helping people receive him 
or reject him. All of us as disciples have a burden on our lives, a divine responsibility to help people receive the love of God, not to reject him, not to look at our lives and see that they're not congruent with what we do on Sunday morning, not to look at our lives and see, yeah, that's the way he's at work, but when he gets home, I know he's like this. Their kids may look perfect on the inside, but on the outside, but once you get into the midst of their conversations online, they're not all put together. It's, it's to look at our lives and see that there is no difference between us and no matter what environment we're in, that we're being good stewards, that we are in essence helping people to rece receive Jesus. Is your wife right now finding it easier to receive Jesus? What about your kids? What about your grandparents? What about your boss? What about your professor? As followers of Jesus, are we making it easier for people to understand and to, and to firsthand experience the incredible grace of God? Because this is the story of the vineyard. God's people always have had a responsibility on their lives to help other people encounter God as well. This is what the parable really is all about. This parable is a little bit why I think Good Friday for me was a little awkward. Actually, in a lot of ways, I thought about Good Friday for the last couple of weeks because I was sitting there and like so many of you, took Good Friday communion in our home. That was the first time we'd ever done that, probably the first time for you. But I'm sitting there just Lindsay and I and I'm serving her communion. She's serving me communion back. And I just felt weird. It wasn't weird because of like the power of the Holy Spirit was on me. Or I just felt like this divine presence. It was weird because I felt like I wasn't supposed to be doing that. Like I'd done such a bad job in the last couple weeks in this quarantine. My stress level was higher. I was spending more time away. I was, was focused on other things. I hadn't been a good steward of the vineyard God had given me at home. And Good Friday, I kind of walked away and thought about, why was that awkward? Why did I almost feel embarrassed to serve Lindsay Communions? Because I've got more time with her right now than ever, but we've had maybe less spiritual conversation than we probably should have. And for me, it was a moment to see myself and to recognize myself in this story. Often, like you, <laughs> I read stories like this and I'm like, I'm the servant. I'm one of those prophets who's trying to make a way and the world is pushing me down. The government's keeping me inside. The, the church can't meet. This is such a big problem. Mark is inviting us to see ourselves not as the heroes of the story. Mark is inviting the reader to see themselves just like these Jewish leaders as the tenants, the farmers who are poor, most of the time entitled, who get angry, and who often have a tendency to reject God when he comes. But nonetheless, what Jesus says when he quotes Psalm 18, about 118 about being the cornerstone, Jesus is building something new. He's, he's taking the keys away from the religious elite and putting them in the hands of ordinary people, just like you and me. And really, church, the greatest thing, the greatest gift you can receive during this lockdown is a deeper walk with God. It's a clear path 
for God to speak and to move in your life and for you to receive Jesus and help others in turn receive Jesus. For, for all of us, that is the calling because all of us are helping people receive Jesus or we are helping them reject him. And if I can be honest, that's the hope of this really depressing parable. In verse six, you probably caught it, that the landowner sent his own son, his only beloved son. Does this ring a bell to you? John 3:16. John, the gospel writer says that for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever will believe in him, whoever receives him into their lives, they won't die, but they'll have everlasting life. And Jesus is, is remain, it's just echoing this profound truth of the gospel, even in this parable, that the landowner sent his son, eventually who was beaten, killed, and kicked out of the vineyard so that we would not be rejected by God, so that we would have real life, so that we would receive Jesus for ourselves. And this is the powerful truth. Jesus was, re was rejected so that you could truly be accepted. Jesus was rejected so you truly could receive him. And I know that on the other side of this camera, as you're sitting there watching, there's likely two groups of us. The first group, you've never really received Jesus. Maybe you've walked into a church many times throughout your life. Maybe you've sat through a Bible study. Maybe you have given money to a church or served even with our church, but you've never made Jesus the Lord of your life. The next step for you is to do that is to be really, really clear and simple, just in the quietness of your own home and pray, Jesus, I receive you. I surrender to you. And if you're in that first group, we would love to journey with you. And you can let us know. You can say something in the comments or drop an email to us. You can email me personally, john at centergr.com if you'd like. I'd love to walk you through that journey. But the second group of us is probably the majority of who's watching. We have someone in our life who is yet to receive Jesus. And there may be physical boundaries during this lockdown. I'm, I'm not oblivious to that. But God can move through any avenue he chooses, but often he's looking for those who are willing to step out and to lead the way. He's looking for people like you to, to help people receive him, to help people understand his grace. And so you're calling today, do you need to help someone receive Jesus? Do you need to help clear that path is there something you can do? Is there a text you can send? Is there a way you can serve? Is there a prayer you need to pray boldly so that someone else in your life can truly receive Jesus so that you and I, frankly, can be good stewards of God's vineyard? We can do what he asks us. That's my prayer today. That's what I'm asking for. As we prepare to sing this next song, as we prepare to move through the rest of our morning, as you and I turn the screen off and go about the rest of our day, my prayer is that you for yourself would receive the gift of Jesus. You'd receive his presence, his peace, his power in your life and clear the way for others to do that. Would you pray with me? Jesus, our prayer is that you would convict us today. That you would challenge us. That you'd remind us that in so many ways we are just like these tenants who have a tendency to reject you, to neglect you, to forget about you in our days. God, I pray 
Would you use this lockdown, this worldwide crisis, to make us aware of our need for you, to help us to receive you fully, to spend time with you, to incorporate new habits and new rhythms that, that create margin in our lives to really build this relationship with you. And God, I pray for the, the person maybe watching right now who doesn't have a relationship with you yet. God, I pray that in the quietness of this moment, that you would help them to receive you. That you'd remove distractions and obstacles so that they could truly know life and life to the full. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.